You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 252 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good. What's happening in Gina world? Oh, well, we uh, launched the Sicily tour uh, about a couple of weeks ago, I think. There's only two spots for left. 2020, so for 2020, for June 2020. So two spots left. So if anyone's on the fence <laughs> thinking about going, uh, maybe get in quick. So Maybe uh, explain wanna... what the Sicily tour is. So this year uh, in... June, I did a Sicily workshop uh, where I take you around to my favourite spots in Sicily and it's an intensive seven-day brain dump on my part where we learn all aspects of uh, portrait photography. So working with daylight, posing and connecting, working with fill flash, finding locations and it's all done in the most gorgeous location in the world, Sicily and the person who organises the tour for, for us, Carm uh, Ruggieri from Sicilian Food Tours also feeds us so you need <laughs> to uh, bring your stretchy pants because yeah. all we do all day is eat the most amazing food and uh, it's it's one of my favourite things to do. So we're running it again in 2020. It'll be June 2nd to June 8th, uh, 2020. And, uh, yeah, there's only two spots left. So if you want to be Brilliant. one of the lucky two people, then uh, you can email info at sicilianfoodtours.com and uh, get some more information on that. And we'll put that information in the show notes, which, of course, you can find at ginamilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And I know Carm and obviously I know Gina and I know what Gina's teaching is like and I've been travelling with Gina. So I know that it's going to be an amazing experience. And to see Gina in her element, um, you know, on the streets, in a foreign country, in a different place, with beautiful backdrops and seeing the stuff that she produces and learning from her because she explains things every step of the way. It's um, it's such a wonderful opportunity. So make sure that you check that out if you fancy summer in Sicily. What mm. else is happening, Gina? So uh, you recommended a TV show to me, Val. And, yes. And uh, I have been watching it. I've watched a few episodes and the show's called Fleabag. Uh, and the I loved it, by the way. So yes, thanks for that recommendation. Show. But mm -hmm. what I wanted to talk about, and I want to bring it back to photography, is one thing that uh, they do a lot uh, is they break the fourth wall. Oh, yes. So she bag. talks to the camera. She talks to camera a lot. Mm -hmm. So she'll be in the middle of an intense scene, <laughs> you know, talking about 
heavy stuff mm. and then she'll just turn to camera and, and maybe explain what's happening to us like we're all part of it so it's breaking the fourth wall and that yeah. term comes from uh the world of theater where you have obviously the two uh the, the walls of the stage so you've got the back of the stage and the two mm. sides of the stage and there's this imaginary fourth wall which is where the audience sit and you're supposed mm. to uh, as an audience, suspend all disbelief and pretend that what's happening in front of you is real. That's what happens when we watch TV or watch a movie. So mm. breaking the fourth wall is is letting everyone in on, we all know that this isn't real. And so I, I love when when that's done, when I'm mm. watching a movie. You really feel like you're, you're a part of it and in. And yes. it happens in fiction as well, Val. So yes. um, what's the term for that? Is it met- metafiction? Where you break I'm the fourth wall? Not really sure. <laughs> so where where the person will be writing, and yes. uh, then they'll let us know that uh, the character will actually address the reader as as like like break from character and uh, let mm-hmm. them know that oh so I'm about to walk through this door, but you and I know what's going to happen here. Something might happen, so get ready. And then they go back into character. So it happens in fiction, and you see it as well in. In photography, and I've seen, I, I, I love seeing examples where they kind of attempt to break the fourth wall in photography. So it might be uh, where you see a portrait of someone, and they're actually, um, you might have, say, a, a photo of a photo on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. And then the actual photo on the wall, uh, you know, you might have a photo of a waterfall, say, mm-hmm. on a wall. The water's running out of the the photo. Oh so yes, it's like, right? right. Or you yes. might have uh, a, saw a really clever one where a photographer, as his profile image, like his Facebook um, feature image, was a photo of the back of a camera that showed the LCD screen, right? Mm-hmm. And he's inside. There's a photo of him inside the LCD screen, and his hand is reaching out and touching one of the dials. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you see, and and there is a really well-known, and his name escapes me, um, I think he's a Swedish uh, photographer who manipulates images where he might show that there's a a road going through a, a, you know, a lovely mountainous um, scene where you've got the road going through the mountains, and then there's a guy walking along the road and he's dragging the road along as he walks, so it it looks like that, uh, you know, he's, and it's kind of like we're mixing up a, a surreal with breaking the fourth wall, but there's so many ways that you can do this in letting the viewer in and let, letting everyone know, we know this as a photo and um, a simplest way to do it is where you might have the backdrop in the image so you have uh, you might have a scene outside where you see the entire scene and you'll have a person uh, a portrait of someone standing in the scene and then directly behind them you might have the roll paper okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you'll leave the roll paper visible in the scene and you see it a lot you know in a lot of portraits but it's like yes. letting us all in on we know this is a photo shoot and yes. here's the surrounds, and we've just pulled back to to show that it's uh, it's not real. But I think it's a really clever technique. Uh, I think it's really cool. Yeah, excellent. And um, do you do it much, or have you done it much? I have I have done it occasionally, where I will uh, include the the backdrop in the yeah. scene and and include it as part of the scene. I don't do it a lot because I, I like like neater looking images, mm. but I think it's quite effective. And uh, you know if it if it's another way of, uh, you know, 
making that portrait kind of quirky, then I might do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's fun. I do enjoy it. Okay, so breaking the fourth wall with photography and, of course, check out Fleabag, the television show. No, this is not sponsored. I just really like the show. So let's move on to a constructive critique. Dylan has asked a question and he has said, a few months ago I posted some shots for feedback on outdoor headshots. This time I'm practising making headshots for local businesses in their office. Do you have any suggestions on improving or taking this photo to the next level. <laughs> on ca- and so we've got the the shot that Dylan has posted, and we'll put that in the show notes if you want to have a look at it at genamalicia.com. And Dylan has said, on camera left, I placed a speed light on a cabinet about five feet up, pointed away from the subject and up at a white wall or ceiling. On camera right are a bank of windows with blinds, partially clouds, and a cl- and a cloudy grey day outside. He's shot at one one hundredth of a second at f four ISO one hundred on a one hundred and fifty millimetre uh, lens. Okay, all right, Gina, your comments. So basically, it's of a guy you know who looks maybe early thirties. He seems to be in a polo shirt that is that has the company logo over his um, left chest. And he, there's a kind of like a gray wall. It's probably really a white wall, but it comes out um, like light gray and just smiling and looking towards the camera. Yep. Uh, I think Dylan has done a great job uh, on, on lighting and uh, posing this uh, portrait and he's just starting out, as he say, it says, and I think the, the, uh, the best part of, of doing this sort of stuff, practicing, is you learn so much in the doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's posted uh, several more since this shot. So good on you, Dylan, for, for doing that. So uh, I, I like uh, the thinking behind lighting this. So it's a very natural light. So what he's done is pa- placing his um, speed light on a cabinet, that w- which is instead of using uh, a light stand, basically. So that's really clever thinking. Uh, quite high, about five foot up, po- pointed away and towards the, the wall and the ceiling. What you're doing is basically without using a light modifier, you create a large light modifier. So the the, the light from the flash leaves the flash hits the wall and uh, bounces back, creating a very natural, soft kind of light. So looking at this image, if I didn't know that you'd lit this with speed light, Dylan, I would say, oh, it looks like it's lit with natural light because it's that sort of very soft, even lighting. And the background is very beautiful and consistent, so I think you've done a good job. Uh, A couple of things to uh, take this to the next level is Hmm. I want you to think about uh, the pose of your subject. So when you're working with headshots, and this is like we've done so much work uh, on this in the goal community and there's so many tutorials about posing and Hmm. setting up your subject and this is all going to be um, all in the headshot course which is coming out very soon. Uh, So you've got pose. Basically, when someone looks at the camera, and this is most people, if they're um, a little, they lack confidence or it's just a natural state, people tend to rear their head 
back. And so I find that 99% of the time I'm telling my uh, model or the person that I'm photographing to bring your chin forward and down because people generally bring their their chin back. And it's kind of like a, it's it's just a, a natural state that people do. It's kind of out of fear or insecurity. So if you want your model and by model the person that you're photographing to look more confident, get them to bring their face forward and down. Now there's a couple of ways that you can do this and kind of force them to do this without even realizing and that and that is the best way I find to do that is to get your person to lean up and over something. So um, you've got your model standing. I tend to prefer uh, to have my model sitting uh, and maybe leaning over. So I tend to get them to sit over a chair uh, where, where you turn the chair around backwards. So it's like they're, mm. um, uh, and then they've got something to lean their hands up and over. And you get the them Christine to, Keeler pose. The, yes, which most people wouldn't get that reference now, Val. Well, <laughs> maybe younger people, but <laughs> certain people would would know. So, so, so if, if the, anyone's yep. unfamiliar, Christine Keeler was the lady involved in the um a scandal with a UK politician back in the day but she was a very beautiful lady and she very famous pose um sitting kind of like straddled a chair with the chair facing the other direction so she's straddling yeah. the back of the chair with her hands um uh, on the back of the chair and and it's a beautiful black and white shot that's quite iconic yes so you can use the back of a chair or sometimes I'll use a, a bench uh, that, that and get them to lean up and over the bench. So if you had uh, a filing cabinet, if you just ask very nicely if Jan from accounts wouldn't mind if you would just kind of take that, that filing cabinet and get your model to rest uh, up and over that, what that does is it forces uh, – the model to to lean up and over and their face uh, gets to be stretched, pushed forward and then you need in the direction to get them to bring their chin down and immediately what that does is it makes them look more confident. Uh, the other thing uh, you want to look at is camera height. So I just feel for this shot uh, the camera feels a little bit low to me and I know I talk about using... Um, a lower camera angle to make your um, sitter look more heroic. But I think in this instance, the camera just needs to be up a little bit higher. Uh, another couple of things uh, on this one is uh, for a headshot, it kind of feels uh, a little bit loose to me. So uh, easy fix. You could just crop in a little bit tighter. So I'd probably uh, crop in about uh 50% of the way and make, and just sort of crop uh, midway through the chest and just a bit tighter so that your model really fills the frame. A um, couple more next level tips. Lighting, you can have that flat and even lighting if you really want to take the shot to the next level, using lighting to add shape to your uh, to model's face is a real game changer. So working with a large uh, modifier like a wall that you've been using where you've bounced the light is going to give you soft, uh, natural-looking lighting. But if you really want to sculpt the face, bring out their uh, cheekbones and make them look super hot, <laughs> if you 
mm-hmm. love themselves sick, mm-hmm. then using something like a, a light modifier, like an Octobox, uh, placed up and over the face really changes everything because it, it brings out the, the facial structure and uh, gives the, the face like depth and um, makes it look more three-dimensional and uh, you'll also get better catch lights in the eye. So that's uh, a few things. I think you've done a fantastic job there, Dylan. Uh, great shot and I've just given you a few tips to, as you say, take it to the next level. So my um, comment on that is one thing that um, actually most male photographers forget and most female photographers are likely to remember is when you're shooting someone like that and it's fairly standard in a polo shirt, you can't really go wrong, but you'll see that there's sort of some creases and they're not creases, they're just kind of bunching up of the fabric. So even with a guy, it can't hurt to say, can you just pull your your polo down a bit so as so the the bunch the, the areas that are bunched up are, are flattened and it's just yeah. a really simple thing that you can do and get them to you know pull down the front and back of their polo or their shirt or whatever or even tuck it in whatever it is yeah. that they do to make sure that those bunched up bits aren't there that yeah, can t- also help as well that's a good tip. Yeah, tucking it in uh, at the back. So you just pull it down so that it sits really snugly across the shoulders. And that's um, that's going to save you a lot of work in post-production, having to uh, remove yeah. those wrinkles. And also it's mm. it's kind of that first impression thing, you know. You, 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 you notice these things, you notice the wrinkles yep. straight away. So you want to present that first impression to be that, like, here's someone who – takes care of uh, all the little details and it's sometimes it's just a subliminal thing but yeah, yeah that was a good point Val. And also if they are if you're shooting them while they're seated you get them to basically pull it down and sit it so that the shirt is underneath their bum and that then their bum holds it in place effectively. Yeah, that's a that's a trick that newsreaders use uh, when they're and and anchors on TV shows. They'll always um, sit on their the, the back of their jacket so that they get a mm. really square line on their um, on their suit jacket. Yeah. Great. Okay. Fantastic. Um, now that's a constructive critique for Dylan, and um, I believe you're you've also been busy making new videos for the Gold Community. Yeah, I just uh, completed uh, a, a, like a couple. I've d- d- been working on an entire series on uh, headshot photography. So I'm working on uh, ones on getting rid of photo face and how to do that and what to look for. So What's photo uh, face? Photo face is the face that people pull when they know that they're being photographed. Everyone does it. Oh, yeah. Everyone does it. And so it's it's because if you want to take – uh, an authentic image, which is, uh, you know, what we're talking about in today's episode, you, you want to break through that photo face and, and it, you want to have it like a more natural look and you want to make sure that there's somebody home in the eyes. And so that's what I'm showing uh, in uh, this this latest tutorial that I'm working on. And um, coming up, I'm also working, working on uh, new presets uh, and uh, also new uh, presets for Capture One and Photoshop Actions as well. So there's a lot going on and we've got an AMA coming up where uh, Ask Me Anything, uh, where we're going to do a step-by-step on how to transition from day job to photography business. So that'll be a big one, Val. 
Awesome. And if you want to find out more about the gold community before we uh, move on to this week's topic, which is how to shoot memorable, meaningful and authentic photos, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. Let's move on to this week's topic, which is how to shoot memorable, meaningful, and authentic photos. I love this topic. Mm -hmm. Where do we start on this one, Gina? Well, I think um, we need to work out why you want to take memorable, meaningful, and authentic portraits. Because that would be uh, a good thing to do. Why it matters. And I think um, if you notice the trends in advertising, you'll see that we're – and a a lot of – in the advertising industry and also portrait photography industry, you can see that we're really moving away from that staged, stiff, awkward-looking images and over-processed, fake-looking or clinical images. And it's really important to follow these trends and kind of not be left behind. And, of course, there are so many more images out there that if you want your images to stand out from the pack and get noticed, then you want to be taking the kind of shots that do that. And so I want to break down what it is that's going to um, make your images look more authentic because it's really important that you uh, capture your images in that way and not have that kind of shot that or get caught up in a style that that leaves you behind and has that sort of clinical or one size fit a kind of one size fits all vibe about it so um, first of all I want to talk about what it is that makes an image memorable what is it that when you see an image stops you in your tracks what is it that makes you still think about that image even it you know days years after the first time that you see it there's something about it and um you you to me it, it it's not the the style that it was shot in it's not necessarily the subject matter it's not the editing it's something else it evokes an emotional reaction and I think that has to be um, the reason why anything is memorable so Val I'm sure you must remember your your first kiss from you know your first crush right do you 
tell me you uh, can't remember. Are you kidding me? I'm trying. Oh my to god! Me- oh no, I think uh, it was obviously not memorable. Jeez! <laughs> wow! Disappointed. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it was obviously not memorable. How about the first kiss with someone that meant something to you? Boy, you're not helping me it. here, just leaving me out here, like hanging. Maybe you no, need to pick better something that's analogy. not a kiss. Do you remember your first slice of banoffee pie, Valerie? No, but I can remember my last, <laughs> <laughs> which was two nights ago. Sorry, I'm not helping at all. <laughs> How about uh, a line you read in a book or the opening or cl- or um, a song in a musical? Oh, yeah. Right, definitely. okay. Now we're talking mm. your language. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And why was it memorable? Oh, because you associate it with not only the story that's in the musical but what with whatever – is going on in your own life at the time yep. and it's a it's a moment in time yeah and and i remember going like 25 years later to see probably the same musical and it only had to start this was at the opera house maybe a year ago and in the first few bars the orchestra started the first few bars and by the third bar i had tears streaming down my face wow there you go so there was an Just emotional like reaction there's this new movie that's coming out um, in a, in about a month called Blinded by the Light. Mm-hmm. It's about a six. It's a true story. It's about a 16 year old Pakistani boy who moved to Nowheresville in England, and at 16, so he moved there when he was three, and at 16 he discovered Bruce Springsteen. I saw I saw the short for it last night. It looks amazing. Looks amazing. <laughs> looks amazing. Yes. And decided to become a writer. Yes. But. I discovered Bruce Springsteen when I was 16 and at that time wanted to become a writer. So before the trailer finished, I was in tears. Yeah. I was already in tears because it reminds you of a moment. Those songs remind you of a moment in time. Yeah. So there's a connection somehow. You're connecting with that person. And with a photo, if you're taking images that are generic images, you know, you've got a, a preset that everyone else is using. You're taking a shot that everyone else is taking of the same location. You know, you it's not going to it's not going to be that memorable for someone if they've seen it before or it doesn't appeal to them in that way. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. So there has to be an emotional reaction, and the only way that that can happen is if that's coming from uh, a personal place. As the photographer, you're shooting something that's meaningful to you because this person that wrote this story about this um, boy that discovers Bruce Springsteen, this is a personal story for them, right? But somehow, Valerie, that connects with a part of your life and you can relate to that story. Mm. And that's what the, what's beautiful about any form of art. There will be something that it will connect with another person when they when they look at that uh, image yeah. because it has it they can relate to it so it needs to be memorable for that reason you want to get that emotional reaction from that person yeah. and so it's the story 
rather than the image that makes it meaningful. So I've got an example of a, uh, a photo of a young boy and he's playing the violin and there's t- tears streaming down his face. Now, okay, it's, it's, it's a powerful image, but you might sort of skip past it and you think, okay, the, the, what, what's the story? You could make up a story in your head. He's crying because he doesn't like playing violin. He doesn't want to yes. go, you, you know. Or it could be anything. You see kids crying all the time and you can flip past and it has no meaning. But when you read the story that uh, this, this young boy, Diego, 12-year-old Brazilian, he's playing the violin at his teacher's funeral suddenly that image is so powerful and so moving. You can't help but be moved by that image, right? And so that's why it's so important that, that, you know, you can, people can connect with the image, but the story behind the image is okay. It's so important. And I've used this example many times, but the, the, the humans of New York, he, this guy started a blog. He wanted to photograph, uh, uh, someone who lived in New York every day he wanted to photograph a thousand strangers, I think, in New York. And he started and the blog was going okay. He posted the image, Dave, Greenwich Village, you know, Sharon, Wall Street, right? A couple of polite likes and things like that. But then he did something amazing. He started to write their story. And when you look at the images of uh, the humans of New York, they're, they're, they're good portraits, but you know, they're, they're kind of standard images. It's, it's not the, the, the image that stands out. It's the image combined with the story. So when he started saying, um, Dave, Greenwich Village, uh, to, today uh, Dave's on his way to visit his wife who has dementia. She doesn't remember him, but he still goes every day. Suddenly that story has some power. I just made that up, by the way. But it's got power to it, right? Mm. And when you combine the image with the story, it becomes meaningful. So think about that when – and we, we've got a platform, so many platforms now that we can share our images. You've got space to share the story. So it's really important that when you're talking about your images, share the story and share it in your own words. It doesn't have to be a, a award-winning novel that you write under each image, you know. Take my example. Look at how I write. I write exactly how I speak, right? And so I'll yes. explain it in, in, in my speak, but people get it. They get the gist. It doesn't need to be polished and, and uh, you don't need to use big words, Val, to get that emotion behind the image. So that's going to help Absolutely. make that image yeah. meaningful. Definitely. And even in um, the artwork that I have sold recently or the the artwork that I have sold generally, and if you're new to this podcast, I also paint and sell artwork, is that 80% of people who buy will say, I loved the artwork, but then I read the story behind it and knew I had to have it. Mm. And it's the story that makes all the difference as well. It makes it even more powerful. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so that's just that and that to be authentic that has to come from the heart as well. It's no it, it's no good to just take a photo and then make up a story about it. It has to be real and sincere because that's important as well. So which brings me to uh my next point uh which is to capture an authentic image. You want to capture the truth behind the moment. So if we come back to 
photographing portraits, Val, when, and, and, and this is something that I'm talking about in this uh, latest tutorial that I'm doing for the gold members is to look for when the mask is dropped. And I talked about earlier photo face. All right. Mm -hmm. So whenever you point a camera at someone, what's the first thing that they do? Well, I guess it depends how comfortable they are yeah. in front of it. Typically, they smile. They'll smile or they'll pout or they'll do their photo face. And that can be, yes. you know, different depending on who the person is. So, you know, some people will get all sort of confident and cocky and they'll, you know, and, and they'll put their chin up and their face in their head goes back and they become the, f the person they think they should be for the camera. And it's not real and it's not authentic. And so that smile, and I go into this in so much detail, are just dissecting a smile. So you can see uh, that they're, they're doing all the things that you see in a smile. Um, and actually, Val, you're, you're such a good example of this when I photograph you. Okay. Because I, I, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. It's like mm. you'll do your dazzling smile and then I'll go, no, nah, it's not real. And, and, and I know that two seconds earlier you just answered a phone call from your office where you're putting out fires, you know, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with uh, 50 other million things. And um, I keep saying to you, you have to come back in the room and you have to be here with me. We talked about this uh, in a podcast episode, right? Yes. And so that's what you want to be looking for as a photographer, you want to be able to recognize the difference between the photo face smile and the real and genuine smile. And it's your job as a photographer to find that, that truth in the moment and to bring it out. Now, the reason for this is like we as humans are able to read tiny, tiny micro expressions. And we won't understand why we like one photo over another, but it comes down to that. It's truth. And we are able to recognize uh, someone who is smiling genuinely versus someone who is putting it on. All right. So as a photographer, you want to try and capture that authentic moment. And it doesn't mean that you, every photo that you take of someone has to have them, you know, laughing like a maniac and, and you know, that, that doesn't have to be that. But if you are patient and you wait and you learn to read that expression that you, you will know uh, when that person relaxes enough to give it to you. So it's a matter of uh, once you've worked out what you're lighting up and is and, and set up your shot and you've got your person in position, then you're working with them to try and get that trust, to try and get them to break that photo face and just relax and learn to recognize that moment in between frames where they're going to give you uh, that, that real authentic moment. And and there's yeah. there's lots of tricks you can do. Like uh, some some photographers might um, just be uh, when they're setting up for the shot, they're actually ready to shoot, but they don't tell the model that. And so you can be doing something mm. like, um, okay, I'm actually just going to test my lights for a minute, so you can just just relax, just just I'll tell you when I'm ready to go. And before digital, what we used to do is we used to. Um, uh, 
sometimes like not not tell them that we were shooting but we were actually shooting so you can do it digital mm. or with film so it and and you go and just testing my lights and just you know bup, 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 and hopefully frame one you should have got a shot because they're not they're not preparing themselves they're not putting on that photo um face and then the other mm. thing you can do is just when you're talking through the whole shoot uh making them laugh or you know engaging with them asking them lots of questions getting them you know, to tell you about their day or whatever comfortable topics, you will find that moment where you've taken a shot and they've relaxed and they don't think you're going to take another shot and they relax and they, they you see them, they be, relax into themselves, then you take that shot, that moment between frames. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. Sneak up on people. <laughs> All right. So um, now with technique, I see this a lot. So there, there, there should not be a one size fits all because it doesn't. And I, I was guilty of this when, when early on in my career. Once I found a style that worked for me, I'm like, I've got it. I've cracked this photography caper. <laughs> I know how to do anyway. I, I know how to shoot portraits. Shallow depth of field, three quarter pose. Uh, everyone's facing the same way, same location, same lighting because it was successful for me. But the problem is that everyone ends up looking the same and you sort of get this um, real generic quality to your photos and it's kind of like it's safe and you're going to be consistent but it's not going to be authentic. And, um, you know, you, you see that it, it's like the difference between going to a, a chain of coffee stores uh, as, as opposed to going to uh, the local uh, little cafe that uh, Dave has where it's a bit quirky and, you know, he's got all the pot plants out the front. He makes his own blend <laughs> and every day the coffee tastes slightly different. But, you know, you're going to get a unique experience when you get there, right? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right, so what you want to do is, and this is more work, it's much easier, Val, just to go, I know that uh, I'll just shoot everyone with garage lighting, shallow depth of field, mm. uh, it's going to be consistent, everyone's going to look the same, but you're not photographing the person, you're actually just applying a technique to everyone. So yes. what you want to be thinking about is how do I want to photograph this person and how am I going to bring out their best? So you want to find the background that supports what you're trying to say about this person and find a lighting style that flatters them. Now, that garage style of flat directional lighting, yes, it looks great, it's beautiful, but it's not for everyone because if someone's got amazing cheekbones and amazing features, the last thing you want to do is flatten that. You know, there are some faces that just really lend themselves to a more character style of lighting. So more, maybe a Rembrandt or a split lighting works better. And there's some faces where you want to light them from above so that you do get that bone structure looking beautiful. So you want to per pose and, and you want to pose the person in a way that suits their body type and personality rather than just saying, you know, here's... here's um, my one pose that goes for everyone straight on flat to camera or three quarter and I'll do it with everyone. Not every body type is going to work in that way. No. All right. Correct. So yep. the other thing you want to do is uh, really learn and practice the art of posing uh, people in, an, in a natural way. And 
Also, what's really important is when you pose the people, you want to give them the confidence to own that pose. So it, a good pose shouldn't overpower the person. And, and I see often that uh, people will find a pose they see in a magazine or something and then foist that yeah. pose onto the model and you see that the model's yeah. like, I'm not feeling this, I'm not believing That's it. But the, right. mo- the photographer says, I look good. And so it might be like a glamour pose where they've got their arms above their head and they're posing like a 1940s pinup, but their face is saying, oh my God, I don't have the confidence to do this. So you want to, you want to give them a pose, but then give them an opportunity. Like the pose should always be a guideline as a starting point. And then if you give everyone a starting point, you give them an opportunity to uh, relax into that pose. All right. So it's pointless giving someone this uh, super confident hands-on hips, I'm a power person pose when they're not feeling it and, and their body language is not matching that. Their face certainly isn't showing that I'm super confident where the smile is like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you want to make sure that you keep the poses uh, really simple and start, give them a starting point and then let your model interpret that pose. And then if you're going to push and try and give them something a bit more out there, then the, the, the directing from the photographer should give them the confidence to own that. And I even say, all right, here's the pose, you need to own it. You need to believe that you're that person. So I'll say, like, I'll tell them things to help them own that pose and even give them mantras that they can repeat in their head to help them own that pose and feel more confident. And you can actually see them visibly growing in front of you when they go, yeah, 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 I am amazing. Oh, my God, I do look hot in this pose. Yes, I am a supermodel. Yes, I am. And They you, don't say that. They they. They, I am a supermodel. They, I have told people to repeat that mantra in their head and it okay. works. And they right. grow and they become confident in that pose and then you show them the back of the camera when they're doing it and they get it right and they go, oh, yes, I look amazing and they feel it. Have you had a situation where they have not, be, have not really fundamentally embraced that? Yeah, well, I think we've been on shoots together where I have – worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and I just needed probably another year of therapy with this person to get that in that position where they own that shot so you got to go to plan b and just really simplify it and soften it because it's just like I've been too um, optimistic with this pose and this situation and this person is never going to believe that. So I need to do something a bit more quieter and softer. And in a sense, yeah. that can also be authentic because I've read the room, which is my next point, and seen that that person is never going to be that heroic, powerful person because it's not them. They're, they're just uh, a bit more reserved in their style. So there's nothing wrong with capturing them to look a little bit more reserved and quieter in the portrait. You know, okay, cool. So, um, you want to learn, um, 
that uh, to, to read the room and match the energy. So everyone that yeah. you photograph is going to tell you what they're comfortable with and what they're non they're not comfortable with. So you, they will give you visual cues. They will show you. They will they they won't tell you out loud unless they're super confident. If they're super confident, they're not going to have a problem. But the quieter people, you just see them. They'll shrink away from you. They look awkward. They look uncomfortable. So you 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 know learning to read these visual cues and the best way to do that is to just keep shooting people and you'll and and also be quiet and present while you're shooting and you'll learn to pick up on these uh subtle uh little cues so um help them out and uh tune into that and uh if if you've got um and and try and match the energy or set the tone for the energy of the shoot. So if you're going to go into the shoot and as the photographer you're nervous and tentative with your models, then generally they're going to pick up on your energy and they might also become sort of nervous or tentative or they'll try and um, they may take over the shoot if they're a bit more confident. So if they see that you're unsure and uncertain they might start suggesting uh, ways to do that which is not what you want so you want to try and make sure that you're in control of the shoot but you also want to match the energy of your model so if your model is uh, super shy and super quiet you don't want to be bowling in and being really loud and uh, overbearing because that's going to just make them feel smaller you kind of want to match their level does that make sense yeah that definitely makes sense I understand what you're saying all right so um that being decisive and confident is so important especially if you've got uh other people on set with you and it's I've seen it happen so many times where the makeup artist or the stylist or the mother of a child or whatever or the art director will just take over the shoot Mm. if you tend to look um uh, a little bit hesitant and then you've got five people chiming in with their ideas and you need to be in control of this ship and so make sure that you are decisive and confident even if you don't feel it and little ways that you can do that are writing down exactly what you want to do have visual examples so that if you're having trouble explaining what the shot is that you can show people and that's going to make you look more confident as a photographer and more decisive great all right cool And finally, uh, most importantly, if you want to get that authentic, meaningful, memorable uh, image, you want to be 100% present and authentic yourself. So that's exactly because if you're in your head, if you're if your mind's on uh, whether you uh, left the iron on at home or on the next job that you've got to do or you want to get out of there because you want to beat the traffic, you're not 100% there and you're, you actually will miss those little uh, visual cues that your model is telling you and you'll also miss uh, the little tangents that you could be going on. You'll miss that little pocket of light that you didn't see because you're not there in the moment. So if you want to be – if you want to capture – authentic moments you need to be authentic and uh, be able to talk in an authentic way and looking for those authentic moments between frames you're completely connected and that's how you'll get I think the 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 best from your model yeah connect to your subject human to human exactly 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 very very important all right great advice 
And of course, um, if you're new to this podcast, make sure you join our listener community over on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. And there's photographers from all levels, Mm. all walks of life, from all different countries. It's a great place to hang out. Um, we're at the end of this week's episode, Gina. So where do we find you online? So I'm at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. You can find me on all social media at Gina Militia. And if you want to connect with me in person and if you want to learn more of these posing, directing, lighting hacks and really take your photography to the next level, I'd love to be able to work with you in the goal community. If you want to check that out, go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? Fantastic. You can find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. You'll find all of the show notes at GinaMilitia.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.